Today we start a brand new series, a summer series, I guess we could call it, since this is now summer, and I'm calling it a Character Tour of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at today uh, Noah, Noah, a portrait of faith. And in the coming weeks, we'll be looking at Abraham and Deborah and Daniel. And then if you look at your uh, uh, schedule last week and again today on the, on the back side of your handouts, you see Jesus is, in, is included there in the tour of the Old Testament. I've already had a, one or two people say, uh, where is Jesus in the Old Testament? Well, we're going to talk about that when we get a couple of weeks into this. So just hang on, hang on. We'll, we'll, we'll explain that to you, but just stay with us and you'll see where Jesus is in the Old Testament. There's one thing that you should know about this series, though, before we begin. This series is not primarily, primarily about the character about Noah and Deborah and Daniel and Jesus uh, as they are presented in the Old Testament. Instead, it's a series about the characteristics of that person and the characteristics that God wants to develop in your life and in my life. And here's one of the main themes that we'll be looking at throughout this entire series. I've used it uh, I used it two weeks ago. I've used it many times before in here, and it shows up once again. Imagine that. God is far more interested in your character than He is in your comfort. He's far more interested in your character than He is in your comfort. God constantly will be stretching you to go beyond your comfort zone in order that He can grow your character. As a matter of fact, if you think about your life, there's two places where you can live your life. Two zones, if you will. The first zone, I consider that to be the comfort zone. The comfort zone. The reality is that a lot of us spend most of our lives... A large 90%, 95% of our lives in our comfort zones. It's safe. It's safe there. It doesn't require a lot of courage to operate in your comfort zone. It doesn't require a lot of faith or a lot of obedience. We can just kind of kick back like we're in a man cave and settle down here in, in this comfort zone. Uh, the problem with the comfort zone is that, by definition, it's a comfort zone, and it's a no-grow zone. There's no growth taking place there. So the longer you stay in the comfort zone, the longer you're going to stay the same old way. Actually, actually the longer you stay there, the less you're going to stay the same because you're going to begin to atrophy into something less than you were. We never stay just the same. So what we have to do from time to time to stretch ourselves out of that comfort zone and get into the other zone is we have to think about that second zone, that character zone. The character zone is, is not always a safe place to be. I can tell you that right up front. Not always a safe place to be. Sometimes it can actually be rather scary. But it's only in that character zone that we can experience growth. The growth that God wants us to have in our lives. It's only here in the character zone that we can develop the characteristics that we need to have in our lives. It's only here in the character zone that we can find significance, that we can grow and become all that God has created us to be in our lives. So this whole series, I'm going to be challenging you to get out of your comfort zones and to get into a character zone. You maybe don't have one right now, but we're going to build one for you. 
and develop the characteristics of faith and obedience and courage and integrity and servanthood. And this first week, Noah represents the characteristic of faith. Faith. Noah is not only found in the Old Testament. Maybe you thought he was just an Old Testament character. He's also found in the New Testament. Did you know that? He's also found in the New Testament. Jesus, for example, talked about Noah. And then in chapter uh, 11 of Hebrews in the New Testament, sometimes it's called the Hall of Faith because it's talking about these different characters and their faith. You find Noah mentioned there also. Hebrews 11.1 from the Living Bible says this. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. We cannot yet see. So now do you see why faith is over in the character zone rather than in the comfort zone? When you live in that comfort zone, you only do things that you can see. You only do things that make sense. You only do things that you can visualize. But when you get out of that comfort zone and get into the character zone, you're no longer operating by sight. You're operating then by faith. You're doing things that you can't see. You're taking steps of faith when you can't see what the promise will even be. It's the confident assurance that what is promised will happen. That's what the scripture said. Confident assurance. Confident assurance that what is promised will happen. Not just the things that you see will happen. So Noah represents that characteristic, that faith. Now, just for fun, I want to give you a little, uh, a little quiz. A little quiz, a little pop quiz here. Uh, see how many of you know the answers to this. Uh, I took these stories out of Noah's, Noah's uh, story in the Bible. This is Noah and the ark. Not Noah, my little great-nephew that was here a couple of weeks ago. He was cute, but we're talking about Noah and the ark and Noah and the flood. <clears throat> this is found in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. And I'm sure most of you know this. <laughs> so let me ask you the question. How many pairs of each animal did Moses take into the ark? One pair. One pair. One pair? It wasn't Moses. It was Noah. Come on, come on, come on. I just wanted to make sure you're awake. I just wanted to make sure that you're awake. Okay, for real. How many pairs of animals did Noah take into the ark? He took one pair of unclean animals and he took seven pairs of clean animals. Wow. We didn't learn that in Sunday school, did we? Two by two, two by two, two by two. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? I can't hear you. Like 150 years. Close. 120 years. Took him 120 years to build the ark. I mean, this, this was a massive thing, this ark. Um, another thing, it had this massive door on it. The, who closed that massive door on the ark, by the way? Huh? God closed that door on the ark. Okay. So those are just some of the 
facts about Noah that you may or may not know. I bet you didn't know this, though. When Noah built the ark, he was building the ark in the middle of the desert. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, he built the ark on dry land. On dry land. As far as we can tell, Noah had never even seen rain at this point in his life. When God said a flood was going to fill the earth. So God comes to him and says, Noah, I, I just have to bring this up. John and Shane and I were having lunch yesterday and we, we laughed about this. And I'm, I'm sorry, but it, all three of us remembered this immediately. I don't know whether you got the big 33 and a third RPM vinyl recordings of Bill Cosby doing the Noah thing, but that is one of the funniest skits. Uh, oh, my goodness. I just hate he did what he did, but Noah, you know. Uh, uh, so God comes to him and says, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. And Noah says, what's a flood? And God says, rain is going to come down from heaven. And Noah says, what's rain? And then God says, Noah, I want you to build a boat. And Noah says, what's a boat? So all of this stuff, I mean, just think about it. All of this stuff in his life was faith. He was working out of faith on every one of those things. So let's pick up this story again in the New Testament, in, in, um, in Hebrews. It kind of summarizes these chapters from the... Old Testament, Hebrews eleven seven. This is the message paraphrase that says, "By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see, and acted on what he was told. The result: his family was saved. His act of faith." drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Now, I, I had to do this a couple of times on your handout, but I got it laid out, and I even underlined, by faith, and I laid out intimate with God. What I would like for you to do is draw a circle around by faith, draw a circle around intimate with God, and then draw a line connecting the two. Because faith is the way that God develops intimacy in the relationship that you have with Him. Faith is the way that God develops intimacy in the relationship that you have with Him. By faith, by faith. Noah had faith. When you're in the comfort zone, one of the results of being in the comfort zone is that you feel distant from God. Anybody here feel distant from God? Or have you felt distant from God you're not being stretched by God you're not in a daily relationship with God you're in the human comfort zone but when you get out of that comfort zone and you get into the character zone you start living by faith you also start connecting with God you have this relationship, this intimate, personal, loving relationship with God. You see, I believe that one of the reasons that you chose to come to church today is because somewhere deep down inside of you, you desire to have a relationship with God. You may not even be aware of it. 
You desire an intimacy with God. Maybe you aren't even a Christian yet. So you're kind of checking this place out. You're just kind of searching for that thing in your life that's missing. What does it even mean to know God? I mean, I hear people talking about knowing God, but how can you know God? Maybe you're a new believer and you're really growing in your faith. And you're trying to figure out how it is that you can know God better. Or maybe you've been a Christ follower for many years. And we share this desire to be intimate with Him on a daily basis. The Scripture says, By faith, Noah became intimate with God. So how did Noah do it? As Noah was building the ark, God was building Noah's faith. He didn't really know it, but he was. And there's four lessons we pull from these uh, uh, chapters about Noah's uh, life. And the first one is this, treasure God's word daily. Treasure God's word daily. We don't really know anything much about Noah until God began talking to him, do we? If you go back and read Genesis, he just kind of pops up in the scriptures. Noah, living out in the desert, doing his everyday living in the desert type things, you know? We know he has a family. We know he has a wife. We know he has a home. He obviously has some friends because God says, unlike your friends, Noah, you're a pretty righteous guy. So we know that Noah was living this everyday life. One could even say that he's been living in his comfort zone. He's just been going about his day, day after day. And then all of a sudden, on this one particular day, God speaks to him. Now in those days, God spoke audibly to people. In our day, of course, we have, we have God's written word. So he usually chooses to speak to us through his written word or through prayer or through other people or through circumstances or experiences. But in those days, he spoke audibly, out loud to people. So here comes God's word into Noah's life and Noah had a choice. He could have, uh, I guess, just ignored the voice. He could have just turned his back on the voice. But instead, Noah got out of his comfort zone, and he got into the character zone. And Noah treasured what he heard from God. Look at the first words out of God's mouth to Noah. Genesis 6, 13 says this, And God said to Noah, Because people have made the earth full of violence, I will destroy all of them from the earth. How would you like for that to be the first word you heard from God? What an encouraging message. I wonder if he agreed with God. Are the people... Violent, full of violence? Should they be destroyed? What did he think about that? And then God says to him right after that, make a boat. God spoke to him and he told him, hey, look, Noah, some bad things are about to happen. And he told him that his family had been chosen by God to be saved from this flood that was to come. And he tells him the way out is to build a boat. I want you to build a boat. 
You see, when God begins to speak to you or me, He calls us out of our comfort zones and He calls us into this life of faith. We have to begin living in faith. And notice what Noah did when Noah heard God's word. God said again, make a boat. And I find this part fascinating. This is where we jump the track. It says, so Noah did exactly as the Lord commanded him. Did he take part of God's advice? No, he did exactly as the Lord commanded him. I mean, isn't that amazing in our day? Noah obeyed. Noah treasured God's word. Noah put into action what he had just heard God speak to him. Now you say, well, if God spoke to me, I'd put it into action. Would you? What makes you think that you would do that? The Bible teaches over and over and over again that it's not enough to just hear the Word, to just know the Word, memorize the Word. You have to actually take action on the Word. The Bible, spending time in Scripture daily is the way God keeps you from shipwrecking your faith, from stumbling into the pitfalls of your faith. And Noah, in his day, had to be completely reliant upon God's Word to build that ark. He didn't know what an ark was. He had no idea. There wasn't a blueprint. So in our day, we have to be completely reliant upon God's Word to build our faith. Your faith is is different than my faith. We don't know what what it looks like for us. So we have to be completely reliant on the plan that God has for our life. I should say, for my life. For my, our individual lives. Here's the second lesson. Take small steps of faith each day. Take small steps of faith each day. I mean, a lot of times people think that faith Well, they think of faith as a big step. They think of faith as this big, giant leap of faith. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have lots of faith. But actually, what the Bible describes as a life of faith is when you and I learn to take small steps of faith every day. It becomes a lifestyle of faith. Something that we do, something that we rely on God for every day. And hear this God is not so much interested in the size of your steps as He is in the direction of your steps. He doesn't care about the size of your steps, He wants to know if you're moving forward. Are you standing still? Are you going backwards or are you taking steps forward? Are you moving ahead in your faith? Is it building a little bit? That's what he's looking for. Are we growing or are we in atrophy? One of the things that living a life of faith is... is that you take these small steps of faith every day. You train yourself. You grow. And in doing so, you will be prepared to take a big step of faith when God calls you to do that. You'll be ready. He's probably not going to call you or me to be the next Billy Graham tomorrow. You know, that's not something he's going to call us to do. The world probably needs one, but it ain't you or me. I just got a word. It's not us. 
It's not us. I think Noah felt that way because when God called him to build a boat, he didn't call him to build a small boat. He called him to build a large ship. Something that we call an ark. Ark. Look at Genesis 6, 14 from the new uh, contemporary version. It says, build a boat. Build a boat of cypress wood for yourself. Make rooms in it and cover it inside and outside with tar. This is how big I want you to build the boat. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Now that's an approximation. They don't really know exactly how big a cubit was, but... In the modern translations, they've kind of figured out this is what a, how long cubit is. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make, make an opening around the top of the boat that's 18 inches high from the edge of the roof down. Put a door on the side of the boat. Make an upper, middle, and lower deck in it. You know, so you can have different classes, I guess. You can pay more to be on that top deck and will be down in the lower deck. It's cheaper or whatever. Um, 450 feet long. Mike, how long is this room? Do you remember? Uh, 120, feet? 120 feet? 450 feet. Football field's 300 feet. So we're talking about football field and a half. Here comes the flood! <laughs> <laughs> right on time, God. We have any Baptists in here? You won't be worried at all, will you? I mean, this wasn't a project that, that Noah could complete overnight. It wasn't even a, a one-week project. When they got the instructions on the box, it didn't say... This generally takes four to six weeks. As a matter of fact, we said Noah worked on this ark for 120 years. 120 years. Day after day, he gathered the wood. I mean, think of that. How much wood goes into a boat that's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. How much wood? And it doesn't just fall down out of the woods, out of the forest. You have to cut it. You have to saw it into boards that you could use on the... And that's a job. He gathered the wood. He hammered the nails. He measured the openings. He tested what he had built to make sure it was just right day after day after day after day. And Noah was human. There had to be days when he said, am I making any progress at all? Is this worth it? I'm telling you, it's coming. Day one. Should I even keep on? It's been, it's been 119 years since God first spoke to me, and I, I don't think it's going to rain. Well, he was wrong. What did he do? What did Noah do? He took small steps every day. He just kept doing what God told him to do each day. The small steps. The next thing that God told him to do, he did. He didn't have to see the finished product. I imagine he didn't have a vision of what this boat would look like as a finished product, you know? Again, I, there was no blueprint. Imagine building something that you didn't know what to, Well, a lot of us do that, don't we? Build something we have no idea what it's going to look like when we get done. But a, hunt, a, a 450 feet long? My goodness gracious. 
You see, small steps are like compound interest. They're a lot like compound interest. You know, you know what compound interest is. I was reading a Dave Ramsey book not, not long ago. Dave Ramsey, the financial peace university guy, you know, that we have the course around here in. And it said that if you save $10 a month, $10 a month, and you start when you're 20 years old, and just say you can find some place, like a money market account, where you get 10% interest. $10 a month at 20 years old, 10% interest. When you retire, you'll accumulate over a million dollars. That's compound interest. Albert Einstein one time said, the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. Faith operates according to compound interest, if you think of it that way. When you take small steps every day, you gather the wood, hammer the nails, measure it out carefully, consistently, over time, you find that your faith really begins to grow and it snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. So with that in mind, let me give you four little tiny steps of faith that you can start taking today. The first one is personal Bible study. Personal Bible study, treasuring God's Word. We already talked about that a little bit. And a lot of you know that you should read the Bible. I, you would agree with me that you should read the Bible. And I don't care if you know that or not. What I want to know is, are you doing it? Are you reading the Bible? Do you spend time daily in God's Word? And I'm not talking about a reading plan where you read through the New Testament in 30 days or read through the Bible in a year. I'm not talking about one of those. I'm talking about taking a small chunk of Scripture and reading it and absorbing it and letting God talk to you about that Scripture and how it applies to your life. Spend time with Him. Let Him deal with you on that Scripture. Forget reading through the Bible in a year. That's a great thing. I'm talking about spending personal time with Him daily in His Word. If that is the way that God speaks to us today through His Word why are we not trying to communicate with him daily? Why? It doesn't make sense to me that people would not read their Bibles daily. And I don't, again, not just read because you have to read because George said we need to read the Bible. Read because you want an intimate, personal, loving relationship with the creator of the universe. He's offering that to you and it's free. Second one is prayer. Again, this is a small thing. You've probably heard this all your life. I, I, I'm not talking here about a big prayer. I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that you come up here and pray uh, at the close of the service or, or you get called on to pray at a, a wedding reception or something like that. I'm talking about small conversations with God throughout the day. Just little sentence prayers with God throughout the day. And one of the best times is when you start your day, I think. It doesn't have to be much. You say small prayers, heartfelt prayers, simple prayers, kind of like this. I wrote several down here last night. God, today help me Follow you more closely. God, today I commit myself to being the person you created me to be. Today. I'm not saying for the rest of my life. I'm saying today, God, just today, help me to be the person you created me to be. God, today help me to live a life of faith. Show me what that is and help me to live that way. You see, as, as you do that, your faith begins to grow. And God begins to grow you from the inside out. 
Those are internal uh, uh, growth things. But there's also external steps that you can take. One is acts of kindness toward others. Acts of kindness toward others. As God grows you internally, you begin to put your faith into action externally. You look for small ways every day that you can serve other people. This might mean that during the week you help a friend with a project. You've got a, a friend at work that needs some help trimming shrubs. Uh, mowing grass. You've got a neighbor across the street, an a, a elderly lady that you see trying to carry groceries up some steps into her, up onto her front porch. And you run over there and help her get those groceries up on the front porch and into the house. Little things like that. Serving others. Serving kids. Serving children. Serving the homeless. Serving here in church. Little things that you can do on a daily basis. And number four, do what's right. Do what, what's right. You could pray a prayer for that. God, today help me to do the right thing in every circumstance. Help me to do the right thing. You see, every day we face circumstances. Choices, I guess. We face choices between things like, are we going to cheat on the test? Or are we going to be honest? Are we going to lie? Or are we going to maintain our integrity? So God, just for today, help me to do what is right. Help me. And this theme of doing what is right is echoed throughout Scripture. One of the places that I, that I was called to is 1 Timothy 1.9, where Paul is talking to his young disciple, Timothy. And it says, Cling tightly to your faith in Christ, and always keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Wow. Wow. Keep your conscience clear. That means confess on a regular basis. How about confess as you commit the offense, whatever it might be? Don't wait till the end of the week and try to remember what they were as you come to church on Sunday morning. As you commit the offense, maybe, maybe before you go to bed at night. You try to recall all those. And if you can't recall them, ask God to help you recall them. He will. He will. Imagine that when you get off track, just in the small things, you can shipwreck your faith. You don't want your faith to be shipwrecked. The third lesson, turn your future over to God. Turn your future over to God. God told Noah... Take one pair of unclean animals and seven pair of clean animals into the ark. We talked about that a little earlier in the pop quiz. Once they got into the ark and God closed the door with his hand, they stayed in that thing for a long time. long time. Actually, they went in and it rained for 40 days. A lot harder than it rained here. Then they floated around for another 110 days. So, they were actually in that ark for 150 days. 150 days in the ark. And when God told Noah to take these particular types of animals into the ark, Noah had no idea what that was all about. He just did it. Because the scripture said he did exactly what God commanded him to do. Noah was trusting God with his future. And I'm sure he wondered, just maybe as you did when we pointed that out, why just one pair of unclean 
and seven pairs of clean animals. Do you know? You can eat the clean animals. You could eat the clean animals. So where did Noah and his family get the food to eat while they were on that ark for 150 days? They got it from the animals that God had told him to take onto the ark. That's just one example of God's provision for your future. He thought it out well in advance. Noah had no idea. He just obeyed what God said. And when they became hungry, the food was supplied. It had already been there. Fresh beef. <laughs> fresh eggs. Fresh everything. God always provides for your future and my future. Maybe you need God's provision in your career. Maybe you need His provision for a relationship that you find yourself in right now. Maybe you need God's protection. Maybe there's an issue of health and you've been kind of uh, fighting that on your own. And you're certainly out of your comfort zone. You know you can't do this by yourself. But you need to turn that over to God. Trust Him. Look at how it worked uh, for Noah in Genesis 7.24 in the Living Translation. Said the water did not start going down for 150 days. I love this promise. Remember this promise. But God remembered. But God remembered Noah and all the animals in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the waters, and the flood began to disappear. Now be honest, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like that? You're kind of out there and you're just floating. And you're wondering, where is God? Where is He? Has He forgotten about me? Will God ever take care of me? Can He take care of me? And Jesus said it this way for those of us who follow him in Matthew 6, 25. So my counsel is, don't worry about things, food, drink, and clothes. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them. And he will give them to you if you give him first, uh, if you give him first place, in your life, and live as He wants you to live. In translation I love, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you. Don't worry about them. They'll come. Or you may not need them, you know. They may be things that you really don't need. Turn your future over to God. Maybe, maybe we go back over to that scripture that we just had, uh, Genesis 7, that Genesis 7 scripture. Uh, help you here. 7.24. Look at that one. And the sentence says, But God remembered Noah. You got that? You see that? I want you to scratch out Noah and put your name there. Scratch out Noah and put your name. But God remembered George. Because he remembers you. He remembers each one of us. Individually. When you turn your future over to God, you can be certain that he will remember you. He will grow your faith. 
And he's going to say, trust my provision. He's going to grow your faith and he's going to say, trust my protection. And when you're in the faith zone, the character zone, you have to put your future in God's hand. And you can be certain, I promise you, certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that God will remember you. I know I have one more point, and I'm going to give you the blanks because some of you are so OCD that you'll go home and worry all week if I don't give you the, the fill in the blanks. Tell others my faith story. Essentially what I want you to know is God wants to uh, wants you to use your faith story to build other people's faith. If he has done something in your life, well why don't you share that with other people? Why don't you share that with other people? We've got people sitting in here who have gotten uh, scary reports from doctors in the past couple of weeks. And they've asked us to pray for them. And we've prayed for them. And they, lo and behold, they come in and they say, doctor says, I've got a clean bill of health. Well, let's share that with other people. Let's tell the world that it wasn't the doctor that did that. Let's tell them that God answered the prayers. Tell them about your faith. Your faith in asking people to pray for you. Tell others your faith story. Everyone that's here today that's a follower of Jesus has a story to tell. You may think, well, I don't... You have a story to tell. It's like the blind man. Once I was this way and now I am this way. It doesn't have to be something dramatic like blind and now I see. It could be I was the meanest son of a gun you ever met and, and now I love people. I just love to be around people. My whole attitude's changed. I'm not talking about me, of course, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I was just using that as an example. Share your faith story. Share your faith story. It will build other people's faith. I've said over and over again that people can argue with this book. I mean, it's true. We believe every word in here is true. But you'll have people that will argue with it. But if somebody knows you, and you've had a life-changing experience with God, and they can see a transformation in your life, they can't argue with that. Tell them what made the difference. Jesus Christ made the difference in my life. He'd like to make the difference in your life. This is how that can happen. Build up their faith too. I'm going to quit. How about that? God, thank you for your word. Never changing, ever true. I thank you for Noah and his faith. I thank you that he can be the example that we hold up as a person who, who listened and obeyed and took simple steps day by day. And as he was building that ark, you were building up his faith so much that he appears in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Oh God, that we would, we would have just a small bit of that faith. Show us, Lord, how to be faithful people. Help us to be so faithful that the ones who come after us will know that we were indeed faithful. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in an upper room with his friends, observing the Passover feast. And he took bread, and he broke the bread, and said, Friends, this 
is my body, which is broken for you. And after the meal, he took a cup, and he poured wine into the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. It's in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins. He said, As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my death until I come. He's coming. That's our confession of faith, isn't it? Until he comes. Until he is coming again. Soon. Very soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're not ready, let's talk about it today before you leave. Let's make sure you're ready for his return. As the servers come, it'd be a good time for you to uh, sort of take inventory of your life, where you stand in your relationship to him. Is there some obstacle standing in the way? Is that obstacle something that we need to remove? Pray about removing? Something we can do about that? If it is, let's take care of it this morning. If your relationship with the Lord is perfect this morning, and I hope many of you it is, thank Him for it. Thank Him. Thank you. Lord, for loving me before I ever thought about loving you. Come to his table this morning. He's inviting each one of you and calling you by name. The baskets here are for your connect cards and your tithes and offerings. The servers have uh, wine and there's juice available at each one of the stations. If you want to use juice, they will help you with that juice. The ministry team is on either side here to pray with you about any issue in your life. Uh, if you want to talk to them about faith, these are the guys to talk to about faith this morning. Don't leave here. It's raining outside. You don't want to go out there anyway. Come to his table. He's calling you by name. Come.